This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, guys? Welcome to the sesh. Today, I got a special guest. Alex, it's been a while since I talked to you, man. How long has it been? I believe three years. It's been three years. Yeah. I thought it was a lot longer, man. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it definitely was before the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, so much has changed since then. Uh, the reason I got you on is because uh, you are considered an expert in your field. And I love chatting with you. I love seeing the things that you're doing because you're always going to conferences. You're always doing stuff. You're always educating yourself. And I think that's a skill that a lot of people don't have. Why do you go and have continuous education? Ooh, uh, because I think then uh, the world is changing Every day, every single day, there is something new, a new discovery, something exciting happening, and I want to know about it, and I want to be able to understand what's going on. Um, and so the reason why I love continuously being this training, certifications, conferences, is because I crave that knowledge. I crave that awareness. I, it's a different world. I mean, when you start exploring into a field, um, you realize that there is so much then you still don't know. Yeah. And so it becomes kind of like a, a, a progressively uh, bigger goal, like learn more, learn more, expose yourself to more. And so it's yeah. exciting. So for the people that don't know who you are and what you do, kind of explain a little bit about that. Yes. Um, so my name is Alex Guerrido. I am the director of digital marketing and marketing analytics at the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley. I'm also a faculty at the School of Business and I teach marketing. And, um, and I also teach continuing education courses, professional development uh, certifications, and, um, and I love every minute of it. So let's dive right into it. Uh, I, I always hear this statistic and it pops up every now and then, 10 to 12 million businesses will close every single year. That's a staggering number, and especially a lot of them in the Rio Grande Valley. So you having this digital marketing background and, and you being so versed in it, what do you see from your vantage point and how can you help business owners like what what are the some of the ideas that you can give business owners right now specifically in the Rio Grande Valley yeah what they can do to weather the storm understand the changes understand the changes that are happening both in terms of the psychology of the market the psychology of everyday people but also the technological trends the things that are being completely thrown out of the window. Uh, for example, with these advancements in AI and the revolution that ChatGPT4 was, uh, now we need to think about things differently. Now we need to uh, realize that in the past, the gatekeepers hold a lot of the power, and now that is being distributed more. That is more of a decentralized knowledge network. And, uh, and with that, there comes a lot of other challenges that business owners need to be ready and able to to face so in terms of advice uh keep up keep up with the changes keep up with the trends uh stay informed the most dangerous thing you can do is to stay in the same place to assume that you can continue doing what you have been doing for all of these years and still somehow stay in business i've seen so many businesses that i used to love um close because they refuse to 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 keep to up adapt, with the times. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it is challenging. It is definitely challenging. It is exciting as well. So yeah. I don't want to be the doom and gloom. Person. Yeah, but it, it, it really is, man, because I have I talk to a lot of people and and, I, and when I talk about AI, people kind of just like brush it off. Like, yeah, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. It's not going to affect me. But it really is. At one point, it will because the thing is that the businesses that are using them are going to replace the other businesses. The people that know how to use AI are going to take those other people's jobs. Like the, the advancement of like ChatGPT, I, I, 
When I started using it back in January, I used it for two to three hours a day for three months just to learn it. And, and I figured it was all about prompts. And then you start interacting with it. And when I would talk about it, like people are like, oh, you're cheating, dude. That's not you. It's like, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Specifically on ChatGPT? Well, yeah, specifically for ChatGPT. I encourage my students to use it as much as possible, but use it responsibly. Because that's the thing that we need to work on in, in higher education and all educational professionals. They need to learn how to use these technologies before they ban them, before they demonize them. They need to learn how to use them. And then once you've learned how to use it, teach other people how to use them. And so, for example, with my students, I tell them, don't use it as your personal um, copyright infringement tool. Use it as your reflection tool. You wrote your essay, write it 100% on your own, submit it to ChatGPT and ask ChatGPT to provide criticisms from the point of view of a professional in this field. Provide a different perspective from a professional in this other field. Get multiple points of view and see how you can enrich whatever you have written using those, uh, those, those pieces of information, using yeah. that feedback. They never copy paste anything from ChatGPT. Never, 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 because that's, that's lazy, and that's what, what scares a lot of people, that we are going to delegate thinking to machines. And to an extent, some of the computational power of the human mind is going to be delegated to some machines, but we cannot completely delegate yeah. your, your brain to a machine. Yeah, it's interesting because the other day, um, we talk about dopamine hits, right? You get from social media and stuff like that. And I was using ChatGBT. And there's two instances that I've, I've clicked and it gave me the, the answer right away. And I felt that dopamine hit. I'd never felt that before. I, it was so powerful. I was like, fuck, like, what is that? It was a dopamine hit. Yeah. I've gotten it twice from ChatGPT and I was like, why am I getting that? Uh -huh. It's because the information is so instant and I didn't have to think about it. Right. So it's a very scary thing for somebody like me because I'm in it all the time right. and I'm using it all the time. So what do you see like the, the downflaws of, of that being something like that, like me using it so much? I remember I was using it so much at one point. It sent me a prompt back saying, uh, uh, go outside, take a breath. Go. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I'm, hey, hey, yeah, hey. stop using me for a while, man. <laughs> So what are your thoughts on that, man? Because I, I find it fascinating yeah. because I know somebody else out there is using it just as much as I am. Yes. And, and they're using it to their benefit. So I don't want to be left behind. What are your thoughts on that? Use it. Use it, but don't, don't outsource your opinion to ChatGPT. Okay. Uh, don't outsource your thinking, your rationale, your own creative process. Don't outsource it to ChatGPT. Use ChatGPT as an instrument of reflection. That is the most powerful thing. Um, ChatGPT itself is not a cognitive machine. It's not, it's, it's, it's not capable of fully understanding the implications of what it's saying. To an extent, you can say it and neither do humans, but uh, <laughs> we like to assume we do. But yeah. um, ChatGPT will not understand all the nuances of your day-to-day -day life. And that's where you need to be uh, a critical thinker and approach ChatGPT as an instrument to enhance your current capabilities. One of my favorite prompts is the console, um, uh, the console prompt. So basically what you do is you, it's a structured uh, a prompt. But you basically ask ChatGPT to create a console of experts around an area. Mm. And each expert has its own personality. Each expert has its own way of thinking. Um, then when you look at it from a vantage point, it looks like the ideal console to make a recommendation on, on, a, on an issue. And so you can use that console um, and ask questions and get multiple perspectives to get feedbacks on your ideas, of course. Also talk to other humans right. and other experts, but sometimes, you know what, I might not have access to a neurobiologist. I might not get access to the latest in, in, in one of the social science fields. Uh, I mean, it's just a way to uh, expand your horizons. And what I find myself is uh, sometimes I will get something from ChatGPT and I will go on my own and, and like, okay, recommend me a book to learn more about that topic okay. or tell me which podcast I sh should subscribe and specifically addresses this issue. And, um, and because I'm using ChatGPT uh, through Bing, which is uh, the Microsoft product, mm -hmm. um, Bing now is integrated with ChatGPT4. Um, it has real-time access to the, to the data. I also have the Plus version. 
so it also has uh, browsing access. Yeah, so and also has the plugins too. The plugins are pretty cool. Yes. I've, I've used uh, Yabel to get the customer insights and client insights and all that stuff. It's a, it's a very powerful tool for research. I, I find myself in it and I just keep on going through it. It's like, okay, I need to stop, man, because yeah. at one point you actually have to work. <laughs> so yeah. I, I find myself just fascinated with it. But what else do you see from the AI, AI artificial intelligence community? Because I know you're always in it. Yeah. What, what's fascinating that you see right now? I, I am particularly scared right now. Um, early adopters will get it and it will be fine. But I'm scared for the people who are being left behind. I'm scared for the people who are not exposing themselves to these changes because they don't know what's going on. The other day I was reading um, a story where um, a lady got a phone call from, from her daughter or dad. Was it dad? Or, I, I don't remember exactly. But, um, and it sounded just like her daughter. And it was something along the lines of, I need you to make a deposit because they kidnapped me. And, uh, and this person was going through the motions of sending that money. Wow. And they was going through the motions because they, they believed it. We have reached a point, And you know what? You have a few TikTok videos out there. You have a few uh, Instagram reels over there. I'm going to grab a sample of your voice. I'm going to use AI to mimic your voice and call your parents, call your family members, call your elderly parents and tell them that you got into an accident and they need to deposit to this account and they need to send a money order or check. And, and we're not ready to that because, not, yeah, I mean, I guess we have gotten used to the like, typical scams, like yeah. you get an email and all of that. And even, even those, some people still unfortunately fall for those, but we have gotten used to. Now imagine it's literally your daughter Voice, you. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you have no way of knowing that it's not your daughter. Yeah. Or a video. Um, I, I, I was trying to get you uh, a deep fake of you, uh, <laughs> but it's not ready yet. This is still rendering. Oh, that would um, be cool, man. <laughs> yeah. But it's basically now you can make anybody uh, to say anything. Yeah, um, it's crazy, man, because uh, the other day I, I started working with uh, one of my clients and I was like, can I, I with his permission, of course, because I'm, I'm always for the ethical way of doing things because I can see how this 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 technology can be used for bad. Yeah. So I asked him if I can put in his, his voice into a play HT or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I downloaded about 20 minutes of his voice and I had him read the script and all that stuff. So with it, there was some little imperfections, but this is just the beginning. Like it's insane because he no longer has to come in here and record in front of me. It's, it's the craziest thing in the world to me is like how fast this stuff is going. And people really don't even know that it's available. That's, that's the scary part. Yeah. One of the things that I... Um I'm writing an article, and I want to make sure that it gets uh, attention about having um, a seed phrase or passkey mm -hmm. with your friends and family members, so that uh, you know when, for real, your daughter needs you to send money because she got into an issue, or your your brother, your sister, your friend. Um, a seed phrase is a concept from cryptocurrencies uh, and crypto in general, where both of you have um, like a secret phrase that you share, um, and that way you can verify that the person is who he or she claims to be. Yeah. Um, and so we need to think about those things. We need to think about, you know what, uh, if you're going to be asking for money, always mention this, because that way I will know that it's for real you. Yeah. Now I cannot trust your voice. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and the strangest thing about that, too, is it'll just go back to two-factor authentication. Like, nobody has it. In, in we talk about it all the time. It's like, dude, like, social media needs to be secured. Yeah. And people still lose their accounts. And we talk about it over and over and over again. What is it about it that, that people just won't do it? Is it just because it hasn't happened to them? Maybe. Um, it's changing too fast. In all fairness, it's yeah. changing too fast. Not everybody, uh, like I said myself as the example, uh, I was one of the early Google Glass explorers. So mm -hmm. I actually had the Google Glasses on the very first generation, the very first time. Um, the Google Glasses is this failed Google experiment. And 
but that was one of them. I'm, I get excited about technology, but it takes a very special kind of person to be excited about technological changes and keeping up with innovation and changes. The vast majority of people, they just want to go on with their life. Right. They're not looking for like what's the latest disruption happening. Um, and so I think that maybe that that has something to do. It's 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 very draining. If if it doesn't excite you, it's very draining to yeah. be constantly thinking about these things. You're absolutely right because I mean, we're, we're, I'm from the world of digital marketing, and I, I dive into tech and all that stuff. So I just assume that everybody else knows about it, and yeah. that's just not the case. And I think a lot of people think that way too. It's like if you're not doing it, well, I mean, too bad. Yeah. So like I'm in it. I assume everybody's in it. Everybody's in it, and that's just not the case. Like, there's a huge dig digital divide here in the Rio Grande Valley. Can you kind of touch on that? Because I think uh, when it comes to education and information, like that alone is a huge indicator of like success. What do you What do you see from your vantage point? <sighs> the digital divide in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, it, it is very big. It's very pervasive, um, and I mean, but it's also very different. Um, looking at, at, at market research from other communities, uh, cell phone adoption in the Rio Grande Valley is actually higher, smartphone adoption, is actually higher than in some of the metropolitan areas in San Antonio hmm. uh, or even Austin. Um, so we do have a very, very widespread cell phone adoption uh, here in the Valley. Um, maybe not desktop, but yes, cell phone. I kind of got to see that uh, firsthand because uh, my team was in charge of developing the, the, the vaccine portal um, for, for the first wave of vaccine distributions for the COVID vaccine. Um, and, um, and we created this, this simplified um, app form where people could subscribe um, for the, to, to receive the information. And initially we assume because of the market research data says desktop, if, if you are serving people in, with this demographic profile, desktop is going to be the best place. And yeah, maybe that's true over there up north, but mm -hmm. here in the valley, the vast majority of people even if you don't have a laptop, even if you don't have an iPad, even if you, you have a smartphone, mm -hmm. it becomes kind of like your device is, this is your computer. Um, and so that was very insightful for me because again, originally we designed the portal to be desktop friendly first, uh, but you know, it needed to be mobile friendly absolutely first. Interesting. Um, and um, and we, we also got to realize that it, it requires a little bit more of explanation. When, when developing this portal, we were constantly iterating to the app, uh, to the web portal version. And, uh, and so we will get feedback, real-time feedback from people. It's like, I'm having issues submitting it. I'm having issues. So that really opened up my eyes to, to the different demographic profiles that we have and the, the technology use. Um, but in, in terms of what can we do to help bridge that gap, um, I think that we're doing a lot, and I think that uh, economics uh, development corporations, through the skill training programs that they're offering, um, the the university with uh, some of the new initiatives that they're embarking. I mean, we're trying, and I think we're bridging it. Uh, in that sense, I'm optimistic. Um, I, I don't think we're in, in such a bad place. Okay. Okay, that's fair. And let me let me ask you this. Uh, I was I was talking with uh, Judge Rick, Richard Cortez, and he was uh, saying that a lot of people give uh, give their give their opinion, but they never offer solutions. So maybe you have a solution for this with that data that you said. How do they track uh, illegal immigration here in the valley? Like, if you were just to think off the top of your head, like with the app that you had, with the simplified app, with the smartphone, mm -hmm. if you had an idea to be able to track immigration, people are here illegally. How would you do it? With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. 
all the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ah. I'll have to think about it. Okay, we'll get back to that. Because mm -hmm. yeah, it's a very interesting thing, because uh, he was saying that 20% on top of the population that is here is here illegally. That's a lot of people. It's like 200,000-some people mm -hmm. across the Rio Grande Valley. So I find that fascinating. It's like, how do you track those people? How do you give them the funds that they need to be able to survive and be able to have a good life here in the Rio Grande Valley? Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting thing. So I'd like to touch back on that. Mm -hmm. As far as AI... Um, what do you see AI pushing the boundaries here, specifically in the Rio Grande Valley? How do you see artificial intelligence impacting the Rio Grande Valley? And what industries is it going to impact? What industries will it impact? Um, pretty much everything um, in terms of uh, process automation, um, robotic process automation. The maquiladoras um, are already starting to implement some of these advancements in machine learning. Um, and optimization algorithms, and so we're producing more, faster, better, improving systems, uh, developing this systems thinking mentality, um, and, and, and seeing connections Then perhaps they're hard to notice at first glance. Uh, that's where machine learning really and AI uh, really has uh, the, the, the most contributions to, yeah. to bring. Um, in terms of small business disruption, it could be as simple as invoicing, um, keeping track of comments, replying to social media, uh, messaging, live chats, um, outsourcing a portion of customer service um, as well to that, um, operations, um, I mean, it, I. It, it could really touch, has the potential yeah. everything. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's, it's, it's insane because uh, just, just so much that it could do, like when you can create a chatbot specifically for a website that will answer every single question. It's just like for one, one of the ways I've been doing is scraping all the data from websites and all the reviews and all that stuff and putting it into ChatGPT. And now it's my business partner for that specific business. Like I don't think people understand that you can do that. And now you have a database simplified database of all your businesses. It's pretty insane. Well, and ChatGPT is actually coming up with long-term memory uh, with the Pinecone integration. Um, and so Pinecone is a vector database. It's just basically a way to store information faster uh, so that you can have long conversations. Because if you notice, if yeah. you have a long conversation with ChatGPT, it starts getting dumb. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because it reaches a point of like, okay, you saturated the, the memory of the system. Um, you reach that point where it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make coherent sense. Um, but now with this new integration, it will have long-term memory. So that's actually pretty exciting to me. Yeah, it is because uh, I remember I was chatting with something. I was chatting with ChatGPT, and then at one point I was like, "Oh, this makes no sense, man. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on here?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I found that he uses the tokens and all that stuff based off of that. So it, that's a little bit more advanced, but. Um, one of the things that I also wanted to touch about was uh, your diet. I'm super fascinated mm. in this because uh, I've been on my journey, my fitness journey for about a year and three months, and I know you do keto. So talk about that, dude. I, I find that interesting. Um, so I struggle a lot losing weight. I mean, it was a very challenging thing for me. I tried everything uh, at that point about five, six years ago. Um, and just couldn't lose weight. And, um, and I started giving keto a try, and that worked phenomenally for me. Um, and I, I do smart keto, because I think then a lot of people assume like, oh, just eat bacon, or mm -hmm. yeah, just have a lot of cheese and, and fats. And no, smart keto really requires you to become educated about what keto really is and what you are really trying to accomplish. And so, as with everything then, I obsess about. <laughs> I started reading a lot of books. Uh, David Promorer is one of the best uh, authors in the field. Uh, Brain Grain, um, uh, the, uh, the Keto Reset Diet, um, 
fat chance. I think it was fat chance. Um, there's a few. Um, there's a few very useful books then that I read, and uh, and that's how I started getting into keto, and it has worked great. Um, I have been able to keep off the weight, and um, and honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't leave it. Occasionally, I break. You are supposed to kind of break your your keto diet eventually mm -hmm. um, at intervals so that you can have kind of that reset period so that you have enough metabolic flexibility. Um, but I try to make that very brief because the minute I eat more than 50 grams of carbs, I'm going to be knocked out. I'm wow. going to be like sleepy all day and I just need to rest that day. And then once I get back into keto, uh, into producing ketones, uh, I am good. Hmm, but again, not... Keto is not for everyone. Right. Um, if you are type 1 diabetic, it literally can kill you. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. no, keto, I mean, you should, I mean, keto worked great for me because I actually found out that I had a mild version of celiac disease. So, gluten was really, like, was really bad for me. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know that until um, I was, like, on keto and that that could be one of the reasons why keto works so well for me, because mm. it completely puts puts me aside from gluten. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, that's that's another benefit. You don't get gluten. And what about your exercise routine? Uh, touch on that. Um, honestly, it's just an hour uh, an hour of exercise uh, a day. I am not very strict um, on what to do. Um, I just as long as I you're active go to the gym and I sweat a little bit, I'm fine. Um, and so that's kind of a mental compromise that I make to myself so that even if I'm super tired, even if I'm, uh, I don't really feel like it, it's like, okay, I'm just going to go, just going to do cardio, watch a, a show while I'm doing cardio, um, and or uh, listen to an audio book or whatever, and then that's it. Yeah. I, as long as I, I did something to right. stay active on that day, it works. The reason I ask you is because uh, I saw a YouTube video with Jesse James West saying that we live in the fattest city in the nation. Mm -hmm. We live in the fattest city in the United States. Mm -hmm. What do you feel when, when, when I say that? It's pretty sad. It's the confluence of the worst of two cultures. Um, unfortunately, the Mexican culture, it's all about sweet. It's all about uh, uh, Coming together, and I'm, of course, I'm from I'm Mexican, so yeah. uh, it's, it, I, I know my culture. It's all about you eat as a family gathering bonding mechanism. You, you attribute all of these positive things to eating together with family. Um, you don't reject things that they cook for you. Um, if you go to many cities in Mexico, the very first thing that they're going to offer you is a bottle of Coke. Like Coca-Cola, it's the default um, kind of token of appreciation, of showing you that I care for you. And so we have this ingrained from our culture. And also, <laughs> um, there is this, this uh, comedian, and she, she makes fun of this. Almost everything is a variation of a tortilla in the Mexican culture. <laughs> so enchiladas, sopes, yeah. like almost gorditas, Yutlas, La Yutlas, Oaxaca has these huge tortillas. But almost everything is a tortilla yeah. in different shapes, ways, and forms. And so carbs, very carby. Uh, Mexican food is very carby. And American food, it's also very carby, but it's also very high in fat. Fast food is very high in fat to make it appealing uh, and very high in the bad kind of fats. And, uh, and so we have the confluence of two cultures and that's that's what happens the when recipe you have... for disaster yeah yeah it's an interesting thing because um before i started my workouts and and, and exercise journey is like i didn't care what i ate so i was having a good time and and i noticed that i would get super lethargic during the day and tired and all that stuff so when we started training and i know why it's so hard to keep it up long term because you don't see results right away mm. So it took me at least six months to start seeing some results that I was like, oh, okay, I'll do this longer. Mm -hmm. But it takes so damn long to get to that point. Like, what was it for you that, that you kept on going? What, what shift in your mind that had, had to happen? So 
So I, I, am, I am a questioner. So as long as a questioner, there is this book called The Four Tendencies, um, which everybody has a tendency before uh, they do something, they have a tendency of association. Whether or not you can meet outer or inner expectations depends on the tendency that you have. And in that, I am a questioner. So as long as I understand the why, as long as I have a strong enough why, I will do almost everything, uh, anything. Uh, so um, the fact that before I even get started with the keto diet, I literally brainwashed myself, <laughs> immersing myself into the world of, of what the keto diet is, what do they do, what are the, the disadvantages, what are the common criticisms, how do people in the field uh, counter the criticisms, um, and, and a little bit even on the conspiracy theory that the sugar industrial complex is trying to put high fructose corn syrup into everything. And like even diving into that so that I had enough of a wide perspective to the point that it literally became illogical to me to actually um, continue eating mm. junk food. Like yeah. it became illogical. And I cannot stand illogical things. Yeah. And so everybody has different modes of operation in that sense. Some people, uh, they're having an accountability partner, the, um, the obligers. Uh, having an accountability partner will help them significantly. Uh, so having somebody that says, you know what, if you don't go to the gym, I am not going to the gym. The fact that you know that um, you, you, somebody else is expecting you to be there, um, they're going to have a harder time not to go to the gym. So they, they can meet outer expectations. It's hard for them to meet inner expectations. Um, you also have the upholders, which is like rules-based. So as long as they publish on Facebook, I am going to the gym every day um, for this week, as long as they publish it, as long as they proclaim it, um, as long as it's written or there is a record of it existing, uh, the upholders, they love following rules. And so you already said it, you need to do it. Yeah. Um, and then the rebels, which is the challenging part, because for rebels, um, it needs to be a challenge. It needs to be like, uh, it, it, that's actually the, the hardest uh, one to, to motivate to do things, because even they themselves find them, themselves kind of struggling. What's an example motivation. of a rebel? So g give me the thoughts and the, the things that they would say specifically. Um, I'm not going to do it if you ask me to do it. Gotcha. Um, and so it's like almost everything needs to be a challenge for a rebel. So it's like, you know what? Forget it. I don't believe you're ever going to be able to lose weight because you're not the kind of person that puts effort into those kind of things. So you're not going to be able to lose weight. So I don't expect you to lose weight. Hmm. That will trigger the rebels like, I'm going to prove you wrong, huh. and then they will do it. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a challenging one. The yeah, that, are challenging. It's interesting because that, that even happens, like, for example, like, um, I have found that a, there's a lot more people who just want to be told what to do. Mm -hmm. Do you see that in your, in your industry mm -hmm. or anywhere? Almost everybody, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's almost easier just as a business to give them exactly what they want. And, like, here you go. And it yeah. becomes irrefutable proof. Like, here you go. Like, I handed you all this. This is exactly what you wanted. Yes. And boom, here you go. Like, there's, there's a lot of people like that, right? Right. So can you, can you touch on that? Because I feel like that's kind of where the, the world is going, especially with technology, when we have instant gratification for every single thing. Yes. Can you kind of correlate that with the, the industry? Uh, it's, it's, actually, um, it's actually very interesting because with the excessive customization of everything, now we have that expectation of everything needs to be customized for me. Everything needs to come pre-digested. Don't make me think. Uh, it's actually a title of a really good book as well. Uh, don't make me think um, about user experience design. Uh, but it's basically that. It's about reduce cognitive friction as much as possible because people are busy. People have interests. Um, they're not usually able to sit down and, and have that conscious, rational process. Most of us go throughout our days in, in autopilot mode. 
And so it takes it takes a special kind of person not to be on that autopilot mode. Yeah, it's it's hard to gather your thoughts, especially as a as a business owner, as a, for, I guess for anybody, because mm -hmm. it's, there's so much going on. It's like, what do I focus on? Like for me, I have shiny object syndrome where I was like, oh, I want to do this because I was good at this one thing. I can do this. I know I can do this. Yeah. And I noticed that I was starting to suck at everything because I was trying to take on so much. Uh -huh. So I was like, you know what? Let me refocus and uh -huh. focus on this one thing. And since then, I've been I've been doing very well. That's awesome. So it, it's very hard to get to that point, though, because it takes so long. It takes a lot of introspective work. Like, That's OK, I, I'm not good at these things. I should not go after that. And as a, the ego will always come back and like, oh, no, you can do that. You can do that. You can do that. And in reality, you really can't because yeah. there simply is not enough time. Yeah. It's, it's a super interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about marketing. Mm -hmm. um, marketing for businesses. I feel like there's, there's core things that businesses need to, like business owners need to know. And marketing is that one of them. And obviously how to run your business. But kind of touch on marketing as far as for businesses. Like, how do you view marketing specifically? It really depends on the business. Um, but marketing is the discipline of, of having a strategy and a philosophy um, of getting people to know your product, of making people fall in love with your product, um, exposing your, your idea, your service, um, your your thoughts, your object uh, to other people. That's in a nutshell what marketing is, is is getting them to to feel your brand, experience your product, to to have a, a personal connection. Um, in a way, we all are marketers. We are marketing ourselves even when we don't consciously are doing it. Like you you dress certain ways because there are certain messages you want to communicate. That's, in a way, marketing. You're trying to get people to perceive um, certain elements of your personality, certain elements of your uh, daily life, of, your, of who you are. Same thing for a business. Uh, marketing is creating experiences for people that make them fall in love with your brand. That's the easiest way to understand it. So give me a, an example of like how some how a business here in the Rio Grande Valley would do it. So give me a specific like let's say a restaurant or a, a med spa or something like that. Kind of give me three different different industries and give me a strategy for each one. Okay. So uh, I am I am very biased because I am a digital native and so I don't I don't default to the traditional uh, printed media or uh, TV and radio. I, I don't, I don't, I just can't. Um, and so I default to digital. So in terms of a restaurant, what is marketing for a restaurant? Um, marketing for a restaurant should be about uh, showcasing what makes you unique. There's a million restaurants and now in the Valley we have amazing restaurants. Yeah. Um, and so why your amazing restaurant is the restaurant I want to go? Why do you offer a differentiated experience? Why do you offer a unique moment? Um, I think that even post-COVID, I'm seeing that even more. Um, people are looking for experiences. More than transactions, more than I just need something to eat, people want to feel an experience. People want to pay for the experience, for the connection. That's why team restaurants, um, the, the restaurants that focus on one ambience or, or, or one topic team um, tend to be very successful uh, post-COVID uh, because they offer that unique differentiated experience. We no longer want to pay just for food. We want to pay for the entire experience. And so the more you're able to convey that story through your social media, your um, digital ads, the more you're able to convey that story and the more you're able to bring people in, even if they're not in your restaurant, bring people in, at least in their mind, um, the more successful you're going to be. And the greatest part about that is you can charge a premium price because people will pay more money for an experience. Yeah. It's, it's the most fascinating thing. But then now you're asking the business owner, well, let me think of something else on top of the food that I already have to buy every single month, on top of all the employees that I have. So it's like you're making them think more. And I feel like that's a reason why a lot of businesses fail. Maybe, and, and I might be as bold as saying that, maybe some businesses just aren't good enough 
Mm -hmm. am, am I wrong to say that? Or because I feel that a business is led by a business owner and a business owner is human. They have the same tendencies that every other human being has in the world. So they look at this one thing and they're like, I'm going to do it this way. And that's it. Yeah. So I feel like sometimes just as some human beings aren't that great at things, right. there's going to be businesses like that. Am I wrong? No, no, for sure. I mean, it, it requires a, a different mindset. Um, now, the other, the other piece of, of marketing is connecting with the right audience. Um, some restaurants, they don't necessarily, might not need to do uh, marketing on their own because you know what? They have the best damn birria tacos in the Rio Grande Valley and word of mouth marketing is enough. Yeah. That's, that's it. I mean, word of mouth, ideally, that's what you want, other people to brag about your experience. Um, and so connecting to the right audience, connected to the right influencers, um, saves a lot of restaurants from having to think about marketing. And yeah. so everybody's hoping to win the lottery in that sense. Uh, everybody's hoping to find that one influencer that will come to your place and will make it grow and explode and talk about it and brag about it. And yeah, we all hope for that. But hope is not a strategy all right so let's talk about price because i feel like a lot of people like a lot of business owners don't really understand how marketing works and what it costs and that's also the advertising aspect of it like for let's use facebook and instagram so when you're pushing out ads this is one cost marketing is another cost how do how if a business owner to come up to you right now and say how much do i spend on marketing how much do i spend on advertising what would you tell them it depends it really depends on what are you trying to accomplish. Uh, when we first started at the university um, with the clinics, the, the, the clinics is um, UT Health RGV is the clinical component, the clinical enterprise of the School of Medicine. And so we have medical doctors teaching uh, our students, but we also have medical doctors, uh, board certified, fellowship trained doctors, also providing services to the community, also providing uh, healthcare to the community through UT Health, our clinics. And so when we first started promoting our clinics, uh, when we first started promoting the first uh, 10 clinics that we opened, um, our cost per acquisition on digital channels was very high. It was very high, around uh, about a hundred and something um, to acquire a new potential um, um, patient for, for the clinics. And so at the beginning it was very high. Now it has come to a point where we have gotten so good at understanding the needs of our community um, then where cost per acquisition is significantly lower. Uh, around 30 to 40 dollars. Wow. 70 percent uh, less. Yeah, um, but it took years uh, of understanding the audience, what resonates with them, what kind of ads drive the most call to actions, uh, what kind of engagement they like to see, um, and it changes. Like I can tell you the people on Norma Callen, they react to different content uh, than the people in Weslaco um, or, or San Juan. They, they prefer to make a phone call. Um, people over here, they rather fill up a form. I mean, it, you need to understand your audience very well yeah. to be able to, to define that. And so I don't have an amount. It depends on what you're trying to do. If you just want people to download a free item, maybe $100 will, a month will be enough. Yeah. Uh, but if you want people to trust you with their primary healthcare needs, uh, you're probably going to have to pay more. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I find it interesting because I always get that question like, well, how much should I spend? It was like, spend as much as you possibly can <laughs> right now because, I mean, you want to reach the most people mm -hmm. and awareness is at the top of the funnels. Like, yeah. you need to get your product and service awareness first because mm -hmm. if you don't talk about your product, no one's going to know about it. Right. And if you don't have people talking about your product in person, nobody's going to talk about it. Right. So I feel like that's one of the things that keeps a lot of business owners like, they're, they're so scared about investing in something that they know or they don't know that's going to have a return. Have you seen that in the past? Yeah, of course. So kind of touch on that because I, I kind of want to put business owners at ease because I feel the same way. When I'm putting money into Facebook ads, I'm getting a return on the end. Yeah. But it's, it's always that initial part. It's like you're investing all this money in it uh -huh. and you don't know what's going to happen. <clears throat> 
No. Uh-uh. So I am the person that shifted the university funds uh, for, for uh, traditional advertising. Um, so I am the one that had to have those conversations with all of the administration about like, hey, traditional, and this was me 10 years ago. Uh, traditional advertising is dying, even though at that point probably it was at its peak. It's going to be dying soon. It's going to be, and I had to do that convincing. But the advantage that advertising and, and digital advertising, digital marketing in particular has, is that everything is trackable. Online, everything is trackable. And so you can directly attribute that conversion, that form submission, that sign up, that business visit, that purchase, you can directly attribute it to uh, maybe that person saw an ad, and after seeing that ad, they actually went and clicked on that. Online, everything is trackable. And I think that one of the barriers that, that a lot of people have is they don't understand that. They don't understand that, no, you're not wasting your money. You would know if you actually drove that click because of an ad. You have a way of knowing. And the analytics portion, the data portion, is the part that I think that not enough people understand. Yeah. Um, especially now with Google Analytics 4, which we have eight days or seven days, we have eight or seven days today, uh, to migrate from Universal Analytics to Google Analytics 4. Analytics 4 has um, a, a user profile modeling that allows you to get signals from that user from all over. So you can create a bucket that says converters, mm -hmm. and then analyze the converters based on specific patterns of behavior. Like before converting, did you read three blog posts? Did you visit this page? Did you do this? Did you do that? And then you can create a full phone understanding of, of your audience. And, and that's actually very powerful. And I don't know. I must like it. Most business owners don't know that that is possible. Yeah, it's it's just a, I think it's a lack of the education and information aspect because uh, I think at one point it was like 12 touch points that somebody has to go through to be able to make an action. And that's not even a sale. That's mm -hmm. just to like go to the website or yeah. something like that. So kind of touching that because the customer journey is one of the most important ones. Like they're some of them can see an ad and go directly into it. Yeah. But a lot more people need convincing. Can you kind of dive into that, please? Depends on the kind of person. Um, the, uh, um, again, everything is marketing. In my mind, everything is marketing. So that's why it's hard to like, concretize it into one thing. Because, for example, using the, uh, the, the four tendencies model, uh, some people are going to question everything. And they're going to read the reviews. They are going to visit multiple pages. They're going to watch YouTube videos before purchasing a, head of headphones, a pair of headphones. Um, some people are going to be like, my friend got this pair of headphones and they like them. I'm they gonna, got it, yeah. yeah. Uh, some people are, are going to be by the rules. They're going to look at the specifications. I specifically want a set of headphones that has these features. Does, does it meet that criteria? And the rebels, I don't know how they purchase this. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, so it, everybody has different tendencies uh, when it comes to interaction, interacting with things online. And so uh, you need to appeal to your different audiences. Everybody's going to have a different customer journey. Some people take more time convincing, more people, more. Uh, some people are ready to marry after dating a person for one week. Yeah. Some people wait 10, 11, 20 years before marrying that person. So it, it really depends. And so it depends on your audience. It depends on, on, on who you're trying to attract. Uh, of course, the, 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 the cost of what you're trying to sell may also play, play a role. Uh, Twitter lately is full of like, very cheap um, um, gadgets and items. Um, then honestly, it's like, OK, it's just $10. I'm, I might as well buy it. Right. it. It piqued my interest enough. It's just $10, for example. So it really depends. Hmm, interesting. Uh, with all the insight that you have, um, what are the platforms that people are using most here in the Valley, like social platforms? We haven't conducted this year's social media survey. We conduct a survey of the entire valley um, to understand what is the valley's behavior. But based on the data from last year, uh, 
I can tell you that the vast majority of people here, uh, they're using uh, mostly Instagram. Facebook occasionally. They haven't migrated away from Facebook, but they're using it less. They're using more specialized services on Facebook, like Marketplace, like La Pulga del Valle is huge, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they're using more specialized services within Facebook, but not Facebook as a feed anymore. Gotcha. Not as much. Um, and then Instagram is, right now Instagram is the king. Um, TikTok, it's very, very big uh, as well. Um, maybe almost at the same level as Instagram. Instagram is still uh, higher. Um, and then Snapchat, I mean, it used to be very big, but most people are not willing to engage with brands on Snapchat anymore. Uh, so that's a bit of a challenge. Um, and then um, Twitter. Um, oh, Twitter. Twitter was never a thing in the Valley. Yeah. I mean, you had like at least 100 people actively tweeting in the Valley. I think now it's like a little bit less. Uh, but I do like it because I, I, I never tweet, but the consumption of media now, honestly, it's is instant. amazing. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. It's uh, the content on my Twitter profile. It's it's way better than anything that I see on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Uh, the the reason. What are the age demographics that you're seeing for each platform? So, of course, the younger audiences uh, they tend to gravitate more to Instagram and and, and TikTok. What's the age range? Would you say? Um, everything that we do is it has to be over eighteen. So eighteen to twenty five. Uh, they're predominant. Actually, eighteen to 35 actually they're primarily using that uh, maybe the the 35 and over not as much on tiktok um and then uh the older you are the more likely you are to only use facebook that's another thing then then uh that's actually the fastest growing demographic nationally uh on facebook uh all their audiences interesting huh Alex, uh, it's always been insightful having you on, man. How are you all using, before we finish off, how are you all using uh, AI at the, at the university? Um, as with everything, we're still trying to figure it out. Uh, we are trying to infuse uh, innovation, but of course, safety first, and, and, and thinking about safety first. And the advantage that we have is we are integrated with the Microsoft suite of products. And so, for example, we get ChatGPT through uh, the uh, Edge browser, the Microsoft browser. Um, so we'd have access to ChatGPT. Uh, we have access to uh, Power BI, which is the data analytics platform that Microsoft offers, the competitor to Tableau. Um, it offers automatic uh, data analysis and it provides you insights and all of that. So it's, we're using it through Microsoft, which kind of has all the data protection that we need for, for the institution. Awesome. That's amazing, man. So uh, everybody, we'd like to thank you all for coming to the session. Alex, man, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for your insights and your knowledge, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. See you guys next time. Peace. Perfect, man.